Well, good morning, Connect Church family. How are we doing this morning? Warm. Amen. <laughs> Glad you guys are here. Uh, for those of you, if you don't know, my name is Andrew Pierce. I am the student pastor here. Um, I get to work with the youth, and today I get to talk to you guys. You guys are in for a roller coaster. You thought Terry's wild. You hadn't seen nothing yet. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk to you guys today. Um, we are going through the series called Forever Families. Uh, uh, Brother Terry kicked us off last week uh, just talking to us about marriage, about singleness, about uh, just all of the different proponents of that. And if you didn't have a chance to tune in to that, make sure you go back, uh, even teenagers. He didn't give terrible advice for dating and everything else, too, and um, all that stuff. Go back and listen to that sermon. Watch that. You can find it online, all that good stuff. And what the original plan was, before Ice Snowmageddon, was um, Dr. Eddie Moody was going to be here, and he was going to be speaking to you guys. Uh, we were going to have our marriage retreat, everybody. We we're going to be coming straight off of, you know, this retreat where we spent time with our spouses, and we're all going to be skipping and holding hands in church and say, we're so in love. No. But anyway, <laughs> we were going to be coming fresh off the marriage retreat, and Dr. Eddie Moody was going to be speaking to you guys about, um, you know, marriage, family, all of this stuff. And I was actually supposed to be speaking next week. Well, due to snow and ice, Dr. Eddie Moody lives in Nashville. He couldn't get down here. We decided to postpone that till next weekend. So if you um, have signed up, we have and you weren't here this weekend, make sure you know that it is this weekend. Uh, be here for that. If you did not sign up and you're still interested, you can do that. Uh, the online registration is open through Tuesday, so make sure um, if you are on the fence or anything else, make sure you sign up for that because it is going to be great. But it worked out better for me because Dr. Eddie Moody is a doctor in this stuff, and I'm like, I'm the youth pastor who likes pizza, you know, whatever. So I'm glad that I get to go first, and then you guys can get the good stuff next week. So make sure you, I'm just kidding. You can come back next week, too. Out of all the sayings through this video we just watched, guys, I want to start off this sermon. By the way, this is not a traditional sermon. I'll just be upfront about this. This is my TED Talk. <laughs> with student pastor Andrew. It's going to be a little bit different, and I'm an interactive guy, so I like interaction from the audience, the congregation, while I'm teaching and stuff too. So um, what I want to ask you guys is this. How many of you guys have phrases or just situations or things your parents did and said that have had an impact on you forever or something that was mentioned in that video? If you heard one of those phrases mentioned in that video, I want you to raise your hand right now if your parents said them to you. One of those, you know, like, I can't even remember all the ones that went over. Here's some of mine that I got growing up. When, uh, more often than not, my mom would, not my dad, my mom would look at me and she, I would be back talking or I would be um, just, you know, very innocently doing something I'm not supposed to do and uh, <laughs> questioning her authority. And she would just look at me finger in face and say, who am I? Yeah, y'all already see. <laughs> All the parents in here are like, I already know where this is going. And then she would point that finger back at me and say, who are you? And I would, you know, very innocently say, I'm, I'm the child. That's right. I'm the adult. You're the child. What I say goes, you listen. End of story. Yes, ma'am. Actually, it's more like, well, actually, I'm the blah, blah, blah. Anyways, uh, so <laughs> I love my mama, um, but <laughs> she's not in here. She's in children's church today, but um, what, another thing that they used to say, and y'all had a horrible, horrible out-of-body experience when this happened, is there was one time, I've been in a youth pastor for a little over eight years now, and one of the first times I had a kid at church, like 
I was on a year or two fresh into this. I had a kid at church that I was ministering at in Kentucky. He would just not stop talking back to me. I'm talking about interrupting the lesson constantly. And it wasn't like, you know, asking questions. I'm fine if they want to ask questions, disrupt the lesson to learn more about God's truth. Totally fine with that, even if it's halfway off topic. Have at it, bud. I will, I will, I will work with you, all that stuff, or I'll say, let's meet after. This kid was like, I don't want to. You can't make me. Blah, 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 blah. And he had that attitude and just taught back to everything. And y'all had this horrible out-of-body experience is that I looked at this child, please forgive me, and I said, did that end in a question mark? <laughs> Jody knows, and I said, then it doesn't deserve an answer. And I walked away. <laughs> I was just like, I cannot handle this anymore. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that was Berlin Pierce. <laughs> I just turned into my mother because I got that said to me so many times growing up. Uh, one of the things my brother, Aaron, uh, he was older than me. What he constantly got told to him is when we were little, I would be like uh, in the kitchen or something ready to eat. And my mom would look at me and say, Andrew, do you want some juice? And my parents, they thought I had like horrible speech delays or maybe that I was just mentally challenged and stuff because I wouldn't respond. But here you had Aaron that would come in from, I mean, he could have been at six doors down. And you heard him, he wants juice. And he always answered for me. I'm like, but the bad part is I didn't get like, you know, my outspoken personality yet. So I was just like, cool. <laughs> they could have been like, my mom could have been like, you want dog poop? And Aaron would have ran in and said yes. And I've been like, cool. Like, <laughs> I just went with whatever was said. And so my parents always told Aaron, they said, Aaron, let Andrew answer. And then by the time I was 16, they figured out I could talk. Um, <laughs> one of the things my dad said to me frequently, he said, stop arguing with your mom. You'll never win. I've tried. <laughs> I, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard that. Um, one of the other things I got said, probably between the ages of 12 and how old am I, 28? Um, <laughs> between those ages was you're grounded. Um, <laughs> I think seriously, by the time I was y'all's age, I lived grounded. Like I, I don't know how I had friends. I don't know how I was allowed to have a cell phone or drive anywhere because it was like, Andrew, take the trash out. Oh, by the way, you're grounded. Hey, Andrew, get up. Oh, by the way, you're grounded. Hey, Andrew, let's go to church. You're grounded. Like it was like every other phrase that came out of the mouth was you're grounded. And of course, I didn't deserve any of it. I deserved all of it, but I, I mean, I heard that so many times. My grandpa, oh my goodness, I love him if he ever tunes in to see this, but my grandpa, everywhere we go, he's from Illinois, and so every time you come here or when we lived in Georgia, he would inevitably always get his wallet out when we went to pay for something, and he'd take his money out, and he would blow on it and say, you take Illinois money? <laughs> No, it, guys, it's not funny. That's why he is the way he is. Stop laughing. <laughs> and of course, I was like 13, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so embarrassing, and everything else. And I was just like, this is the worst. My grandpa and my grandma, they always had these weird phrases. I asked Ashlyn, one of the things her parents told her all the time, they said, work first, play later. If you guys didn't know Ashlyn, she grew up... Um, Wonderful family. I love my in-laws and stuff, but when they mean business, they mean business, and they get stuff done, and I love it. <laughs> so they sit there, and they would say, work first, play later, and stuff, and they work hard, they play hard. All of those things. Her grandparents, I asked her this. She said, my grandparents used to always look at me and tell me because I was so busy, and I was good at, like, figuring out colors and sorting things and all that kind of stuff, and she's definitely partially OCD, um, but she said, my grandparents would always tell me, kid, you're going to be a brain surgeon. 
She's an orthodontist assistant, so she was close. But I mean, <laughs> you know, she, she did incredible things because her grandparents kept saying that. Or the other, my personal favorite, because um, we're already figure out we're definitely going to have Nora being this person, especially with, uh, if you guys didn't know this, I have a one-year-old and I've got a wife that's five months pregnant, um, so pray for me. But <laughs> um, Nora is going to be, you know, the big sister to this little boy. And um, one of the things Ashlyn she has a little brother that's about two years younger than her. One of the things they told Ashlyn repeatedly was, Ashlyn, how many mamas does Avery have? One. Because Ashlyn was like, Mom, Mom, Avery's doing this, Avery's doing that, he did this. It's <laughs> always trying to tell him what to do, boss him around, telling him. I got permission to say this. He, she always did this stuff, so they said, how many mamas does Avery have? Just one, and it's not you. Um, so they said all these, all these things they've stuck with us. These phrases, these words that they've said, they've made an impact on us, good or bad. Um, if your kids are in children's church right now, they're meeting a character named Skittles, and it's where they go, S-K-I to the double T-L-E-S, Skittles and the hizzy, and I'm ready to tell you what's up. And he goes, I got a rainbow flavor, and I'm living for my Savior, Skittles out, baby, yeah. And so, <laughs> sorry, so if you guys are in children's church, and your kids have probably repeated that at some point, or they've heard Mr. Andrew say, either in reference to somebody in the Bible story that was crazy, or Brother Terry, we always said his cheese is off his. Yeah, there you go, if my helpers know. <laughs> if you helped in children's church, you knew that. Um, I say that all the time. They know these catchphrases because we instill this in them a lot. Um, one of the things we're doing right now is we're singing these little songs with Nora and like, we're like, the wheels on the bus go round and round and we take our arms and move them. So she's learning all this stuff. One of her favorite things is a book called Brown Bear. Y'all, I can't remember half my Bible, but I can tell you every single order of brown bear. It goes brown bear, red bird, yellow duck, green frog, pivot cap, blue horse. Like, I know the whole thing in order. It's terrible. I know, shame on me. But I know all of this because I've read it so many flipping times, and I've read it to her so many times. I kid you not, I wish we would have got it on video. We're just, we, we missed the opportunity. But she picked up the book, and she literally goes, ah, da, 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 da. Like in the same rhythm that we say, brown bear, brown bear, what do you see? She can't say any of that, but she's like, duh, duh, duh. <laughs> like, and I'm like, she's, she's getting this. She's knowing this. I can just look at her and say, brown bear, brown bear. And she's like, because <laughs> she's heard that so many times. She's so excited about it. One of the things that was not so good, and luckily my parents didn't say this one to me, but that prayer, that, that, that prayer you pray over babies, like that recited prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If you pray that over your child, you need to repent. You know why? If I die before I wake, why would you tell that to your child? They're going to have nightmares. They're going to be like laying in bed and like, I'm going to die. <laughs> Everything is, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I mean, for real, y'all, I can't wait till Nora's old enough to understand that. And I'm going to be like, if you die. Before you wake, I pray to the Lord, your soul to take. And I'm going to hit the light out and be like, good night, see you in the morning. Or not, who knows? <laughs> and everything. Shame on you. Oh, some of these things are good. Some of these things are not so good that we remember. If you said this prayer, God is great, God is good. Yeah, there you go. That was the prayer. Our version was... Uh, we would all bow our heads and say, thank you for this food. I love you, Jesus. Amen. And then boom, we're like pouncing on the mashed potatoes. Like, because if we didn't get to it, Terry wouldn't let us eat. So we like, we have said this real quick. It was, thank you, Jesus. Love, or uh, excuse me. Thank you for this food. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Every single time. And then 
Mom got all convicted <laughs> and said, we need to actually be thankful for our food and we need to actually talk to Jesus. It was a good thing. But, um, you know, I, I just think Dad was trying to get to the mashed potatoes first. We have all of the things, but even to prove this theory a little bit further, I like, again, I like interaction. I want you guys to finish the end of these phrases. We're going to play a clip of something, and I want you to finish what comes next when the clip stops. Go ahead and hit it, Nick. Yeah! Woohoo! You guys did not let me down. You didn't know you're going to listen to Neil Diamond at church today. Oh, goodness. This one is one of my personal favorites, but it, I'll, I'll explain it in a second. Go ahead, Nick. Come on, 80s folks. Yeah! <laughs> Y'all sound better on that than you do when Tanner's singing. <laughs> Y'all, nothing else will scar you like your father who is tone deaf trying to scream that, just a small town girl! Um, <laughs> don't sing. Uh, but for, for all my country folks, here we go. Hit it. First line, what's it say? Oh, okay, well, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's technically big wheels keep on turning. But <laughs> Amy was like, I know. I know. <laughs> and then big wheels keep on turning. No Skinner. All right. Anyways, this one was just, I, I relished in this because my mom was in first service. So go ahead, Nick. Seriously, y'all sound way better than when Tanner sings. <laughs> that was awesome. Give yourself a round of applause. Everybody knew Elvis. My mom was literally going, <laughs> while well, we, they sang that. This one, y'all have nightmares from. And I'm going to be real honest. This one's for Terry and Chuck Williams. But go ahead and hit it, Nick. Y'all, you don't know Scar till you see your 45-year-old dad saying, let's go, girls. <laughs> Woo! Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, I'm not, I, I got a whole other sermon for that one. All right, last one. And this one, if you don't know it, you need to repent. So <laughs> go ahead and hit it, Nick. Tanner, get these jokers on praise team. That was good. That was good. That was our benediction song the last three years. So if you didn't know it, you definitely should have. <laughs> Real quick tidbit for you guys too, and I want to make this quick. Is seriously nothing, again, all of these phrases, all of these things, they have impacts on us. Some of you guys, when you sang that journey song, it took you back to your high school days or something. Some of these songs, some of these phrases all take you back to a certain moment or they've had an impact on you. Some of those are fantastic, wonderful things. My dad always made sure we did our devotions, and he would literally ask us every day, did you do your devotions? We didn't have hear journals, but we had a devotion book. Did you spend time with God? Did you have your quiet time? He was always asking us that. My mom, every single day before she dropped us off for school, she would say, um, I love you. And of course, you know, as a teenager, I'm like, shut up, mom, let me do, and everything else. But, you know, I, I, that still has an impact. She told us that. She reminded us of those things. Some of those were not so good. If any of you guys have been to my uh, parents' house before they moved, the house that was on Auburn Road where I grew up, is we had this bonus room because the house had been added on to a couple times, and they had 
attached to this bonus room was this, this single room about the size of the drum kit, maybe a tad bigger, that just had one really big jacuzzi in it. And in this room, because it was attached to the bonus room, that was the only, we didn't have TVs in our bedroom, we weren't allowed to, so we had just had the TV in the bonus room, that's where we played our video games or watched, you know, ESPN or whatever it was, that's where we had all of that, but it was connected to this little jacuzzi room. Well, Dad, inevitably, after he got done playing his all-star church league basketball game and his 50,000 braces, um, that we called him Robocop, because he's old, but <laughs> after he got done, he would go and cool off in the jacuzzi. But he would take this boombox with him, and he would sit it up there, and every single time while we're trying to play video games, watch TV, whatever it is, all you hear is, dun, 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 dun. let's go, girls. <laughs> Man, I feel like a woman. <laughs> You're a pastor. It'll scar you. Baylor, just picture Lee King doing that. It's gross. There's a visual nobody wanted. All of this stuff, guys, these all had an impact on me. Some great, some horrible and scarring. All of it had an impact on us. But <laughs> what I want to talk to you guys today is how, as parents, you can leave a lasting legacy for your kids. How you can impact them for the kingdom of God. If you are not a parent in here, you don't have kids, your kids are grown, whatever situation you're finding, don't tune me out. Because this also applies to every single person here. This is a command given by God for every person here. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6 in just a moment. But first, I want to start with this quote because this is a starting point of what you guys are all called to do. It's from Dr. Tim Kimmel, and he says, The role of a parent is to connect to the heart of his or her child in such a way he or she prepares that child to more easily connect their heart to God. Parents, according to Genesis 2, Ephesians 6, Deuteronomy 6, and multiple other passages, if Genesis 2 says a man and woman will leave their father and mother, cleave to one another, become one flesh, be fruitful and multiply. When you are, have been gifted with that task of becoming a parent, it's a wonderful and beautiful thing. And then you are responsible. According to Ephesians 6, they'll put the verse up here, that second part of that verse says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. If you have been blessed with children, this is your call. This is what you are supposed to be doing. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That is, that's your whole mission. Now, how do you do that? How do you accomplish this? Go back to that quote, if you will, for me, Nick. The role of a parent is to connect to the heart of his or her child in such a way that he or she prepares the child to more easily connect to the heart of God. What we're going to look at today from Deuteronomy chapter 6 is God's command for you to connect to God so you can connect to your heart of your child to connect them to God and leave a legacy that lasts. Deuteronomy chapter 6, let's read it together. Starting in verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Y'all, Moses wrote these words in Deuteronomy chapter 6 as a part of his law. 
As a part of the law of Moses, a lot of these passages you find in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, some that we think are just outdated or crazy, they served a very specific purpose. And this law of Moses was given, not just by Moses' words, but God-given to us. By the way, included in that is, you know, the Ten Commandments. That's also a part of the law of Moses, so it's not outdated. It's actually really applicable to us today. So even in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this whole law was given as a command. Read read back with me. You shall, in verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Let me ask you guys, if God gives you a command you should probably do it, right? It's not optional. He says, do it. Here's the cool part. God is not a God that is going to say, Andrew, I'm going to force you to do this. He instead wants me to choose to do this above everything else. You see, in the law of Moses, when he was saying this, the whole thing that we do is we get the pretty sign from Hobby Lobby of verses 7, 8, and 9, where it says, put this on your doorpost, and as you're walking, and as you're lying down, and paint this between the frontlets of your eyes, whatever that means. All of these things, we get that pretty sign from Hobby Lobby, and we put this as the mantra, and we put it right over our entryway. Right, Taylor? This is... You're good interior designer, right? This is where you put it. And then it's uh, the good church verse. And everybody knows I'm a Christian because I have Deuteronomy 6 over my house. Look how wonderful I am. No, that's not the focus of this passage. The focus of this passage is exactly in verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. You see, the reason why he put this as a focal point as the passage is because in the law of Moses, in this command, he wanted them to choose them above everything else. Guys, can I give you a little biblical history lesson? Go read Joshua and then through the rest of the Bible. You know what happens? They don't choose him. They are Israelites. They're fugitives. Moses led the Israelite people to Pharaoh, and he said, let my people go. They get chased across the Red Sea, and now they're wandering in the wilderness. They've been given a promise through Abraham that's supposed to come to fruition, and they're wandering in the wilderness. Guess what? It happens right after this in the book of Joshua. And you know what they do? They make false gods. They make idols. They start turning from the God that just provided everything for them that fulfilled the promise, and they left them. Time and time again, when you read the books of 1 and 2 Kings, Judges, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Chronicles, all the way through the prophets, it's stories of how they chose other things than God. Put that in our context. Guys, an idol is not a pretty little shrine or an image of a fat dude crossing his legs. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about these. Or pins. I'm talking about anything. I'm talking about TV video games, work, that car you've been working on, whatever it may be, good or bad, if it comes before your, lo- for your, before your relationship with Jesus Christ, it's an idol. God wants you to choose. He commands you to choose. He's not going to force you, but he commands you to choose him, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. Anything that keeps you from doing that, you're not accomplishing his mission. You're not living in a grace, love-based relationship with Jesus Christ because your affections, your attention, your desires, your everything is focused on something else. Parents, adults, we all have a tendency to do that, myself included. 
Y'all, there's tons of distractions. There's tons of things going on in this world. It doesn't matter if you're a parent in here or just if you're a living, breathing human being that is a follower of Christ. This all applies to you. It applies all the way across the board. You see, (laughs) I introduced, I made a mistake. I introduced my daughter to the movie Frozen this week. My daughter's one year old, so I mean, she only, she just likes bright colors pretty much, and she likes the songs, but um, I said I was never going to do it because I can't stand that movie, and it's flipping annoying, and everything else, <laughs> I'm sorry, if you like Frozen, and she, I don't like it, but um, in the movie, we were watching it, it's snow day, Frozen, oh, it's so cute, anyways, we're, we're trying to be clever, um, we watched this movie, and Elsa, the ice queen or whatever, I'm not giving away the whole plot, don't worry, she accidentally uses her ice powers, and she strikes her sister on accident with her ice powers, and it hits her in the head. And so her par- they're young, they're like little kids, and so the parents, they then take uh, the two daughters, Elsa and Anna, Anna, not Anna, Anna, and they take Elsa and Anna, and they go to these like troll magical fairy things, and they, I know it sounds crazy, but they literally go, and they're supposed to heal Anna from being hit in the head. And y'all, this quote hit me like a ton of bricks from Frozen. I never expected the Holy Spirit to speak to me from a horrible, annoying movie, but it did. Here's what it said. The trolls were saying this to the parents. The head is easily healed and persuaded, but the heart is much harder to change. Dang. (laughs) For real, that was my thought. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, that is so true. Adults, parents, how many of us come in here, we sit in a church service, we get one hour in our spiritual diet of Brother Terry's Word or our kids in children's church or we get a good song from Tanner and then we go out and that's about the limit of our relationship with Jesus if we're being honest. How many of us do it? Or we're even a little bit more spiritual because this is what spiritualness is gauged by or godliness. We We come to one Wednesday nights. We're even involved on small groups. But when the rubber meets the road, my child has never seen me open my Bible. Yikes, getting real, y'all. Again, everything I say, just so you guys know, coming right back at me. This is also born out of some of my own already learning (laughs) as a young parent. Out of all of this, y'all, we have 168 hours in a week. If we're only counting on one hour in our spiritual diet to fill us, it's like watching Food Network and expecting to be full through the rest of the week just by watching Food Network. You didn't actually eat anything, you didn't cook anything, and you're going to be full for a whole week just by watching a cooking show? Y'all, I'm going to be ready to drive down to Chick-fil-A and get me 40 chicken sandwiches if I do that. (laughs) Because that's just going to make me hungry. Guys, in the same way, this, this corporate gathering our family our church family right here is to make you hungry for God's word so you can get it daily in your own life and a personal relationship with Jesus y'all the food network's on to something <laughs> church maybe we should be too that's what all of this is pointing to you one hour out of 168 is not enough parents you know why because if this is your spiritual diet if this is your child's spiritual diet there's 167 hours where the world is bombarding them There's 167 hours where somebody's telling them that they're not good enough. Somebody is talking garbage about them online. They're exposed to stuff, y'all. I read a study just this week that said third and fourth graders is where the average pornography addiction starts. Seven, eight, nine-year-olds. 
It's where their fascination with sex, pornography, and body image starts because they have one of these. Did not mean to do that. They have one of these. We don't have parameters set on these things. And that's where we're at. Y'all, this ain't Mayberry. This isn't the world you grew up in. It's a lot different. Parents, what are you doing? What are you doing to help with this? What are you doing to invest in your kids? Because one hour and outsourcing it to me, outsourcing it to the Christian school, outsourcing it to fellowship of Christian athletes is not going to cut it. They need you. They need you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength so that you can connect to their heart to connect them to God. Everything you do is an outflow of your relationship with God. So if you're not connected, it's, it's going to have an impact on them. But it's going to have a bad impact. But if you are connected, I promise you, whether you are seeing it or not, parents, I love you teenagers, but parents of teenagers, can I get a witness, even if you're seeing it or not, believe it or not, they notice. They notice. They notice when they've never seen you open your Bible. They notice when you say, I'd rather sleep in than go to church. They notice when you put other things above them. They notice when you fight with your spouse. They notice in every single aspect of your life when you're not connected to God and that venom's coming out at them, whether they deserved it or not or whether your spouse deserved it or not, they notice. And every single thing is having an impact on them, good or bad. Y'all, Brother Terry said it so well last week. Sometimes you guys come to Terry or us or whatever, and you say, my kid just doesn't want to listen, and will you just please reach out to them? And, you know, I'm just at a loss of what to do. And, you know, my, or they come about their marriage or whatever. Guys, if you have not started this, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, I can't help you. I'm just being really honest. It's not my job to raise your kids. It's my job to help equip you and equip them to go out and take that gospel to the world. I love you guys. <laughs> But that's your job. Your number one responsibility is to connect to the heart of God, to connect to your heart of your kid, to connect them to Jesus. That's the whole reason why you have them. A Barna group is, is a Christian organization that does research and statistics, and they came up with a stat which is really interesting. It says, it is overwhelming the number one reason why millennials, which by the way, random soapbox, two seconds, completely random, None of these guys are millennials. Teenagers are not millennials. Most college students are not millennials. The jokers that eat Tide Pods were not millennials. <laughs> I'm just saying, I love you guys. I love you guys. They're called Gen Z. I'm a millennial. Millennials are typically the people between the ages of 23, 24, all the way up to the age of 40. That are, those are the millennials. And some of y'all are like, I made it. <laughs> I ain't no baby boomer. Anyway, so they're excited that they made it. Millennials are the, between the ages of 23 through 40 that grew, and this is the statistic from Barna Group. The ones that grew up in evangel, evangelical churches, that means churches that preach the gospel, the Bible, no matter of denomination, no matter big or small, no matter conservative or liberal, all those that grew up left church by the time they were on their own. And they said it's because of the inconsistency and hypocrisy they saw at home with their parents. Ouch. Y'all, I am not expecting parents to be perfect. Adults, hear me. I'm not expecting anyone to be perfect. I am far, <laughs> far from it. 
But parents, you're called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when you do, it overflows into your kids. When you don't, it overflows into your kids. Both. They see the hypocrisy. They see all of it. Let me, teenagers, can I give you just a word, too? Adults in here, whether you're trying to figure out all this, I don't care if your mom and dad were horrible. I don't care if they never sh- took you to church or showed you an example of the gospel or the love of Jesus. Even if all those things happen, you are responsible for your actions. I am responsible for me. Parents, so at least I'm talking to them too. You are still responsible. Guess what? Sometimes you can even try and connect your whole time. You're raising them. You're trying to connect them to the heart of God, and they still choose to walk away. So please hear me, parents. I'm not saying that all of this is going to work out honky-dory necessarily and that everything's going to be butterflies and rainbows. I'm saying this is your role, to connect your child to the heart of God and to connect to them so that that way they can then connect to God. One of the other statistics that I read this week, it says this, 2% of churches grow by new conversions. If you are an active member right here in Connect Church, this should hit you like a ton of bricks. 2% of churches grow by people reaching lost people. That is horrible. And that's on us. 97, this one hurts, 97% of all Christians will live and die and never lead someone to Christ. They'll never share their faith. They'll never actually invite somebody to church. They'll never do what it takes to actually build a relationship with that person, even though they have different political views, even though they don't like them, even though they get on your nerves, even though they blare their music at 11 o'clock when you have a one-year-old. Yeah, I'm talking about everybody, because your neighbor is everybody. You didn't share your faith, and you and I will fall into that 97% if we're not careful. You know how you avoid that? You connect your heart to God. Because when you realize what God has done for you, when you realize the grace and mercy that he has for you, that he loves you beyond compare, that he sent his one and only son to die for you, it changes your life. When you truly start to grasp that and then cultivate a relationship, guess what? Every day you start loving him more. You start realizing his provision behind every single circumstance more and more and more because then you are connected to God and it's going to overflow into your relationships with your kids. It's going to overflow into your relationship with your spouses. It's going to overflow into your relationships at work. All of it. It can't help but do that because it's the love of God. (laughs) It's not you. It's amazing. Guys, these statistics happen when we're not connected to God. Because instead, we just come to church, we drop our kids off with Ashley in the nursery or me in children's church. We expect me and her to do y'all's job and then wonder why our kids don't want to come to church, don't want anything to do with Jesus. I'm just saying, you got to be connected. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Guys, the core of that passage that you probably thought when I read that was like, oh, I can't wait. He's going to give us some practical tools on how to put this on my doorpost and put this as the frontlets of my eyes and do all these things. Nope, I'm not. You know why? Because my wife, Ashlyn, and people like Tanner's wife, Ashley, are phenomenal and creative at doing these things. Y'all need some ideas? Go, I did not get permission for this, but go talk to Ashlyn and Ashley. You know what my job is? To make sure your heart's connected first. And that's what I'm here to do. Your heart has to be connected because guess what? When it is, 
all of that other stuff, the creative ideas. Y'all, I love people like Jody and Kathy because they have these incredible ideas to do these marriage challenges that I would have never come up with. But you know why they do it? Because they're trying to connect people to Jesus because they're connected to Jesus. I'm not here to give you all these practical tools. I'm here to tell you if your heart's not connected to Jesus, none of this is going to change. But watch when it is. Some of these practical tools to put it on your doorstep, to put it in the front line of your eyes, to mark it with a sign on your hands, all of that stuff starts to take care of itself because you're connected to Jesus. And go see Ashley and Ashlyn. They have great ideas. <laughs> but parents, I've hit you with some hard truth. Let me talk to the rest of our congregation at the same time. For those that don't have kids, for those that have kids that are grown, all of this, this also applies to you, and here's how. I guess if you could say I have points, which I really don't for this sermon, my number one point was be connected to Jesus so you can connect your kids to Jesus. That's number one, or it says it better up there. Those are my words too. Be connected to the heart of God so you can lead your kids to be connected to the heart of God. You know what my point number two for the whole church to every living believer here is number two. Do the same thing. Here's the cool part. You don't have kids. Your kids are grown. Not an excuse. What did we just learn, church, through the whole month of January? We are a family. Y'all got to spend eternity with people like me and Terry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and there won't be cats. I love you, Amanda. All of these things will happen. It comes up in every sermon. All of these things are going to happen. Guess what? We are a family. You know what that means? You got some brothers or sisters right now in this church that need to be discipled, that need to be poured into. You've got some parents right here that are at their wit's end, and some of you that got grown kids that have been there, that have seen that, that have done that, you need to talk to them, whether they reach out for it or not. You need to take them to dinner. I'm not just wanting a free meal, but it would be nice, all those <laughs> things. Guess what, guys? You have brothers and sisters, you've got some people in your life sitting in this room right now that are spiritually children that don't know where to start with the Bible, that need, may need your help because you understand it a little bit better and how it connects. Guys, this is why we preach connect groups. This is why we preach discipleship groups. This is why we talk about these things so much because you know what happens in those groups? You form relationships with other people. They hold you accountable. I have a D group with some of these teenagers, teenage guys right here. Actually, all four of these guys right here on the front row are a part of my D group. You know what I look at them every single week? I was like, all right, tell me what God has been speaking to you. Let's share our hear journals and let's go over what God has said. And we do this every other week. And then I also ask them questions like, have you done anything immoral this week? How have you done with your prayer life this week? We are holding each other accountable. You know why? I'm not going to speak for these four, but you know what I would not do if I'm not being held accountable all the time? I probably wouldn't do it. Y'all, I'm being completely honest. I love Jesus. I know he loves me and that transforms everything but I need that accountability. That's why we preach this stuff to you. Some of you adults, you need to be investing in somebody. Some of you guys have been there. You've been through the situations of prodigals. You've been through the tough teenage years. You've been with the struggling parents that are juggling uh, two kids that are 17 months apart by the grace of God and everything and how you get them ready for church on time and we're stressed out. You know you've been there. Invest. Lead them to God's truth. Even if you haven't, guess what? We'd love to hear from you too. Let me explain it to you like this. Guys, I had people in my life that were not my family that made eternal impacts for me. I had people like Jeannie Jones. 
who is praying for me, who loved me, who showed me grace when I didn't deserve it. I had people like her that even when I was walking away from God, choosing my own thing, chasing after what the world could offer, that was continually on her face praying for me. I was friends with her son and everything else too. She was lifting me up in prayer, but I wasn't hers. I wasn't her flesh and blood. I was covered in the blood of Jesus with her though. And she saw something in me and she had an impact on my life. I think about people like Danny and Susan Caldwell who I would go over to their house over in Fawn Grove and I, <laughs> I had this conversation with Danny <laughs> just the other day how I popped like $300 worth of pool floats at his house because I was a turd and <laughs> I was a moron. And I went over there and did all this stuff and yet they still, <laughs> I brought Nora over there this past summer. Like they still let me in. I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> like, why? Because they loved me. They spoke truth into my life. There were moments when I was, at, just so you know, the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge, I went to Bible college and was drunk, smoking weed, everything else. Doing who know, all kinds of other stuff I don't need to mention in church, but guess what? While I was doing that, I got texts from Danny Caldwell that said, praying for you. Danny, I physically cannot remember certain things about my childhood and stuff because of some of the things that I chose to do that have hindered my memory, but I remember that Danny was praying for me when I needed it most. Because Danny and Susan Caldwell were lifting me up when they didn't know I needed it the most. And you want to see how the gospel comes full circle? I'm in a D group with Danny now. Me and Danny are literally learning together how to better invest into other people. I'm not Danny's kid, but Danny chose to invest in me when I needed it most. Church, you have no excuse. People like Barbara Merritt, who invited my family to their house, and Gary, who is no longer with us, but invested and poured into me and loved me and showed me grace when I didn't deserve it. They had an impact on my life. People like Mark Garrett, because he knows what it's like to be a jacked up, rebellious pastor's kid, and he prayed for me every day. Guys, you can have an eternal impact even if they're not your flesh and blood. Just because you ain't got kids doesn't mean this lesson doesn't apply to you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might so you can connect others, connect your hearts to them, and connect them to Jesus in every walk of life, all of it. And here's my last bit, and I'll leave you guys with this. Don't quit. Sometimes you can do all these things. You've loved your kids. You brought them to church. You tried to do family devotions. You prayed over them. You fought hell every single day for them. You did all that, and they still walked away. They have the free will. They still chose to reject Jesus. They still not, chose not to follow him. They chose not to give their life. They chose not to love the Lord their God with all their soul, might, and strength. Don't quit. Y'all, the reason why I get so excited when I get to sing grades in the gardens is because I was that prodigal. I was that pastor's kid. I was drugged to church. I had all those phrases said to me. I had all of this, but I chose to walk away. And now I'm a, your youth pastor. Yes, Terry and Belen made mistakes, but it's also because of a lot of things they did right. It's also because of a praying grandmama. It's because of my people that I just mentioned that have had an impact on my life and probably countless others that I not even don't have time to go through. But you know what? 
that person that has not come back to Jesus yet, don't you dare quit. Don't you stop praying for them. Don't you stop inviting them to church. Don't ever stop sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with them because it might just change their life. They need you. They need you to be connected to God so you can connect to them and connect them to God. They need you to live out Deuteronomy 6. Never, ever stop because your God's a big God and he can do the impossible. Let's pray, church. God, I thank you for this sermon today. God, I thank you for, I'm thankful for Christian parents. I'm thankful for parents and people that invested in my life because I know that I'm different because of it. God, I'm thankful for people that never quit. God, for some people in this room, they have kids and they're struggling. God, raise up somebody in their life to invest in that struggling family. God, there are marriages that are on the brink right now. God, as the Holy Spirit prompts, send that person a text. Just remind them that they're praying for him, that somebody cares. God, in all these ways, there are some people that are just simply struggling because they won't give you the rights to their life. Which, by the way, it's not ours. It's yours. But God, they've never fully experienced love in their life, so they're having a hard time grasping how this God sent their son to die for them and loves them enough to change their situation, to change their life, to change their marriage, to change their kids, to change everything. But God, you can do it. We just have to learn how to love you and grow in a relationship with you. God, there's some people that need to be leading a D group. There's some people that need to take the next step. God, whatever it may be, and God, there are some people that need to come back to Jesus. There are parents that are hurting because their kids are walking away from the faith. God, help remind them, equip them, encourage them, strengthen them to never quit. God, whatever that next step looks like for every person in this room, convict, heart, convict hearts, speak to them, and let us learn to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's in your name I pray. Church, I want to give just a brief time of an invitation for just a second. If anybody needs to pray, you can come. Tanner's going to lead us in a song, and y'all just do business with God for just a moment. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like to answer, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.